0: Hey everybody, it's Chad with I Want to Know. I'm here with my new friend, Sean McCulley. Did I get that right? You did. I'm horrible at last names, and oh. so actually, I was going to do it as a joke and call you Cian Uh <laughs> I've had that. I've had that. It's like G off and Cian, and <laughs> but it's Sean McCauley. How's it going? I'm very good. Awesome. Thank you. Good. Good. So we were talking before the podcast. We have a bunch of mutual friends, and um, mm-hmm. you being a martial artist, I love martial arts. You're probably the Third or fourth one I had on the show here, and uh, I never get tired of talking to you guys. Mm. You had a better outlook on life than most
1: people I know. Mm. Wow, that tells you something. Yeah, 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 I agree. I mean, yeah, I have a great outlook on life. (laughs) (laughs) You really do. (laughs) I uh,
0: you run uh, formidable um, combat. Mm-hmm. Is that the the name formidable combat uh, combat com- combative arts and fitness? Yep, there yep, we that's go. Right. Yep. I even wrote it down. I there you go. It, nice, right. good. And you guys are opening a new club soon? Oh
1: yeah, sort of. We're kind of in transition. We had a we had our one of our clubs, well, our main club in Cochrane, mm-hmm. uh, for a few years, and we actually just shut that down last September October, um, so that we could focus focus so all of our energy we we're just like we we're in Calgary and we we're in Cochrane and we do a lot of stuff monthly in Lethbridge um, do anti-bullying programs and stuff like that out there and it, it was just getting too much and there's just uh, my daughter and I are the two co- coaches and it was just too much traveling and so we shut that down and the plan is we have the drawings and everything we're dr- we have uh, sorry uh, <laughs> it's all good uh, we're drawing we have the drawings for a facility that we're actually building on our property in uh, in Calgary beautiful um, and the plan is to have that all done this spring awesome that's the plan yeah. So we'll see how that all works out we uh, and
0: would you guys focus focus mostly on self-defense
1: yeah yeah we don't we don't do any training for like competition or anything like that. Um, yeah, we focus uh, specifically on like anti-bullying programs with kids Yeah, and then uh, all of our jiu-jitsu or striking and everything is all self-defense based. Yeah, I mean, you, you mess around with other fun stuff too, but it's always, the focus is always the self-defense. self-defense yeah. yeah.
0: As some of our listeners know, I ran some self defense here mm-hmm. in Airdrie and uh, I, I like that type of training better and the mm-hmm. reason being is that when you're training for competition, you almost have to be I want to say abusive and I don't maybe that's not mm. the right word but I've trained uh, for competition under David Lee and mm-hmm. um you know that was a long time ago but we trained way harder than you do with self defense and not that you shouldn't train right. hard with self defense but it's really a different training. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I need to focus it. It draws uh, obviously a different um, group of people, um, a p- a population, um, where I want to reach as many people as I possibly can with the, you know, the, the good news of uh, self uh, self defense and martial arts, so to speak. Um, when you're doing competition, that that really focuses on a very specific type of person, um, and uh, I mean the people that I, that we work with. I mean I've got everything from. Uh, five-year-old kids, um, the shy kids, to um, middle-aged moms who have never done uh, anything, yeah. haven't put gloves on or anything like that, and and everything in between, and that's what I mean. That, that that's what uh, that that's what excites us being able to being able to work with somebody that's never done it before and is totally terrified by it, <laughs> and and thinks they they won't be good at it. And I go, just give me a half hour, right? Just give me a half hour and. And uh, when all of a sudden they come, their eyes all of a sudden light up and they get all excited and they get that look like, I can't believe I just did that. This is incredible. I go, there you go. Yeah. Gotcha. It's, this is, is going to be awesome. It's 100% like yeah. an addiction, right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: The one thing that I was shocked at when I was uh, teaching was um, how many people were afraid to hit people. Um, they, they seem to be a little bit better with getting hits and not that we did a lot of hitting,
1: but they weren't nearly afraid of that
0: as they were of hurting somebody else. Mm-hmm. You find the same thing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We don't do, I know we'll probably get into this a little bit later, but we don't do a whole lot of, um, striking, actual, actual striking or boxing, say, um, yeah. uh, strikes to the head or anything like that. Um, but we do full out, uh, sparring in regards to grappling and, and there's definitely, definitely, um, a number of people that at they'd much rather get thrown around or get you know armbarred or something like that than do it to somebody else and they're very tentative because they don't want to hurt anybody. Right. And so to actually help to actually get that's actually one of the kind of the one of the barriers, one of the the initial barriers that you have to get I find that you have to get people through and help them realize the 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 partnership and the, and the need for you to be able to be okay with hurting me. Right. Not injuring me, but hurting me. It's all right if you hurt me. Right. Even if I get bruised a little bit. It's all right if you you make me wince, you make me actually want to tap, you make me you have to be able to get that not only for yourself and your growth, but for my for my training and right. for people when people break through that eventually and they realize this is actually it's actually what they bring to the table. I need you to hurt me. Right when they finally when that clicks with them that's when they really start to grow but it, but it takes it takes some it takes some time with a number of people
0: uh, i used to tell people to not steal from me so if you mm. don't work hard at it you're stealing my ability to learn to defend against whatever you're trying to do right yeah. that if you're not if you're not pushing me if you're not coming after me as hard as you can then then how am I going to know in a real fight what it's yeah. like and we used to do a, li- a lot more boxing um and a little less jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. just about footwork and and trying to be in the right space and that, that kind of thing it was mm-hmm. mostly what we revolved around but it's uh it was important if you're going to hit me try to hit mm-hmm. me if you don't then I don't have no reason to move. If yeah. I don't have any reason to move, how am I going to get my footwork and my head worked down? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I, uh, I, I I miss it. And uh, we were talking before the show that I think if I could talk my kids into doing martial arts, which they're not interested at <laughs> all, that uh, we'd all be doing it every day. Yeah. But uh, they like basketball and track and, and that's fine. That's mm-hmm. that's yep. great. But yep. uh, So I do basketball and track now. I don't get to train anymore. Excellent. <laughs> oh, You will again. You will again. I really hope so that I find the time and the energy. Well, I got the energy. I never run out of energy, but I uh, find the time to, to get back into yep. it again. If I could turn my podcast into a regular paid gig, then there you uh, go. There you go. <laughs> then I'd have a lot more time for training. Um, it's coming. Yeah, it is. I mm-hmm. hope so. You yeah. also work outside the uh, the martial arts. Is that all you do now? Um, we do
1: uh, the martial arts, and then uh, there's definitely a probably. A- Depending on the month or whatever, fifty percent of our, our work is in regards to fitness. So, both my daughter and I, y- our youngest daughter, uh, Naomi, she's our other coach. Yeah, and so we uh, uh, we're professional fitness trainers too. So we do, we're either lifting heavy weights, making people lift heavy things, or we're making them lift them off, lift us off of them. So we're either choking people or making people uh, yeah. lift up heavy things. So. I've been watching your Instagram for about a year mm-hmm. and dude, you're jacked. <laughs> <laughs> I watch what you're
0: lifting, yeah. and I'm like, holy dino. Yeah. How, how old are you?
1: Uh, turning 50 in about three weeks.
0: Nice. Well, mm. uh, if I don't see you, happy birthday.
1: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, that that's, that should
0: be our goal, right? Uh, mm. maybe, maybe not jacked. There's nothing wrong with being there, mm. but being mm-hmm. fit at 50, yeah. right? Not being... Uh, um, you know, dependent on uh, pharmaceuticals and, yeah. and doctors. And definitely, I just got back my uh, physical. I went and saw my general practitioner mm. after my blood work, and she goes, I've never seen a 46 year old with blood work as good as you. So, wow. in her practice, nice. and so my cholesterol, my good fats, all that stuff was nearly perfect, better than average. So, Fantastic. I was uh, super excited. But again, we have wives that are both holistic nutritionists. Your wife is actually yep. a coach, a teacher in it, yep, yep. Uh, and mine's just recently graduated. But mm-hmm. it was. Life changing for our family. Yeah. Um, I was, well, I was only two, 208 pounds, mm-hmm. but I was at 30, what was that now? 26. 26% body fat, mm. which is technically obese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so I wasn't even <laughs> that big, but, uh, technically by the doctor's rules that uh, you're obese. And it's funny, I have a friend of mine, um, who's mm-hmm. big into fitness and martial arts. He just went to Thailand for two weeks and trained with the Thais, mm-hmm. had a blast doing it. Well. But, um, he was saying he never felt better that he kept his BMI where it should be. So that, mm-hmm. you know, 16 to 18%. So that's my, my end goal is to get mm-hmm. down to between 16 and 18 nice yeah so uh, how
1: long has your wife been doing the holistic nutrition oh I'm gonna I think right around eight eight nine years yeah yeah was it a big change for you or you guys were always sort of on that path Um, well it was a it was a big I mean there was a lot going on at that time in 2010 I was in a car accident and got a a significant concussion Mm -hmm. and and uh, and I blew my knee at the same time, about a week before playing hockey with a <laughs> bunch of young guys. It was, a, it was a real good month and it was actually out of that, out of that, um, that those injuries that she actually got involved in, uh, in the nutrition, it was specifically just to actually get her husband healthy. Like he was a long ordeal. It was, yeah. it was uh, the first three years were very, very hellish for, for myself and for Barb and for the family. And um, and she was just looking for looking for the keys, looking for the secrets, so we trying to f- figure out how she could get her husband back. Because I mean, I wasn't talking right, my personality changed, all the, the classic symptoms of a, a decent head injury. Yeah. And uh, it, the nutrition, the I mean, the martial arts came out of that, the the fitness came out of that, um, and the nutrition came out of that. And I, by far, the nutrition had the most significant part to play in that. I mean, I'm—I've never been obese. I, if anything, I was a skinny fat guy. I, would, I was the guy that always had a six-pack, and people always thought I was fit, but I yeah. really wasn't. Yeah. Um, but uh, she changed through through everything that she learned, and then she became a teacher, a professor, and, and all. And she's a professional cook with Alberta Health and all of that. Yeah. Um, but uh, she, yeah, revolutionized how we eat and how we function as a family
0: I don't think people like a lot of them want to you know just go to the gym and burn off the fat and that's not the, the key to longevity food right. is a hundred percent the key to longevity Yeah. you know just eating a good diet I, I've got mm-hmm. a buddy that says well the only reason I go to the gym is so I can eat more pizza yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is, you're not winning mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know you may be preventing yourself from getting like severely obese but uh, yeah. that's going to pay its toll down the road for sure yeah I have never felt as good as what I do. You know, the last year of my life. Excuse me, from when Nicole graduated and slowly started implementing, and and I'm a good student. I'd like mm. to say, mm. <laughs> I like to listen to my wife. It, it's beneficial. Yep. So uh, I just bought mm-hmm. in whatever supplements she wanted me to take, whatever meals she wanted me to eat, and as I. As I kept doing it, it just it just seemed easier, and I started craving those foods and craving that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I just spent a weekend in um, Edmonton with my daughter at a track meet, and we were eating out a little bit. And I came home and I'm like, I just need a big salad. Let's- <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I just need to dig into something that mm-hmm. really makes my body feel yeah. good and energizes me. Yep. So yeah, yeah,
1: the, the big thing that switched it for me because I was always like that. I mean, the first forty years of my life, I just ate whatever I wanted. Yeah. Um, and as much as I wanted, and it didn't seem to f- affect me, I thought. <laughs> um, but then you get in your forties, and then you you break your brain, mm-hmm. and and then you start to realize what the the epiphany or the the catalyst for me was realizing that uh, my my life was falling apart, mm-hmm. and my family was falling apart, and I was unable to function at any level, um, you know, professionally, uh, socially, um, in in any way, mentally, um, and. Along with everything else, uh, the the nutrition is what I found out. I just I realized I needed to eat to perform. It, it like just like a like a professional athlete, like an Olympian, yeah. they have to eat very specifically in order to perform specifically. And I realized in order for me to perform, so to speak, as the husband that my wife needed to be, me needed me to be uh, as the. The father that my girls needed me to be um, in every relationship that I had, I needed to start eating and then also exercising and all sorts of different things. I needed to start training myself uh very deliberately yeah and it it's the difference f- it it becomes quite obvious when when you um, you know, in a blink of an eye, you go from uh, just being normal to all of a sudden you can't talk right, right. And you can't walk right and you can't think right and your, your personality changes and your emotions are all over the place and, you, and depression hits you.
2: Yeah.
1: And it becomes very apparent when you start to eat properly and you start to feel yourself come out of it. Mean, and when that's dealt with depression, you start feeling yourself actually coming out of that quicksand. Yeah. And you realize it has everything to do with what you ate when you got up that morning. Yeah. And the next day you don't do it properly and all of a sudden you're back in that quicksand. Wow. And you start putting two and two together and you realize, wow, a vegetable really will save my life. Right. Like um not eating that refined sugar will really save my life and not only my life, but the my family. My family, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I think that not enough people understand that, you know, the the most of the depression that people are feeling is probably food based. Mm-hmm. There's definitely brain injuries, there's definitely uh, real chemical imbalances inside the brain, mm-hmm. but I would say a majority of the population is feeling depressed mm-hmm. because of the type of foods they eat. Oh, so yeah. what did what did you guys switch to? What kind of foods, what kind of supplements did you do for for healing your brain?
1: Oh, um, oh Barb should be here for this. Um, <laughs> Maybe I'll invite um, her next yo, time. Oh yo, yeah. I feel you should uh, Um, I mean, all whole foods, um, nothing out of a can. Yep. Uh, we just started, we we did an awful lot of, um, experimenting and, and Barb did most of the experimenting. She would watch me and she would take note as to how I'd respond to different things. And so, I mean, simple things like I used to be, I used to, one of my favorite things would be just to crack open a can of, uh, tomato soup and make, uh, you know, make two or three, uh, grilled cheese sandwiches and <laughs> just sit there and then finish that, finish that. And then uh, eat a whole row of uh, crackers Yikes. with that. And so I would just go through an entire can and all of that stuff, and I eat that. <laughs> yeah, we found out that that wasn't so positive. Uh, no. Many levels: all the bread, all the refined sugar, and then uh, just the canned soup and all the sodium and everything like that. And that, and and so uh, all the soups that 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 I eat are all. Uh, handmade, not by myself. It wouldn't be very good, but Barb makes everything. Um, the, the, the biggest things that I noticed right off the bat was when Barb said, yeah, all that bread that you eat, like I would eat, I'd get up and I'd eat like a, I'd eat like a quarter of a box of cereal in the morning. And then, a couple of pieces of toast and then at lunch I would have soup and four sandwiches and then at supper I would I would eat some sort of bread or whatever and then before I go to bed I'd have cereal yeah and again I wasn't over I wasn't overweight my even at my fattest so to speak my most obese um my body fat was 16 percent. oh wow yeah what are you at now 11
0: Seriously, yeah,
1: yeah, I just kind of float around there. Unbelievable,
0: yeah. man! I got to yeah. get on your plan. The yeah, uh, there's a lot, a lot of people that are listening right now. <laughs> they're going, I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't eat the breads and the carbs and stuff like yeah. that as much no, anymore. No, 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 yeah, no, not that was a big change for us too. There was mm. a lot of uh, breads and cereals and carbohydrates and crackers and stuff like that, and I still have it. It's just mm. I really minimize it. Yeah. Like I might have two sandwiches a month. Mm-hmm. I might have um, I have I have cereal. Almost every day, but it's Mm. a whole grain, high fiber, Mm. um, non-processed cereal. I have it with a bunch of berries and Mm -hmm. and nuts and stuff like that, that, um, you know, fits within my carbs. I try to get all my carbs in, in the beginning of the day, like before two o'clock and then nighttime is just meat and vegetables. Um, Yeah. like uh, With the amount of boxing and martial arts I did, I think there was definitely some, some friends say there was more than what I was letting on, but uh, uh, some brain injury in there. I've had Hmm. 12 car accidents, uh, probably four pretty major ones, through the front windshield of a car twice, 100-kilometer head-on collision, um, and everyone's built differently. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't feel it, I think, like other people feel it, but I think the people around me felt it. (laughs) <laughs> more yeah. more than yeah. what I did. You kinda get oblivious when you're you're in that state. Yeah. You know, we, we have a mutual police officer friend, we won't mm-hmm. mention his name, but mm-hmm. we both well maybe you haven't been hit by I've been hit by him and I go <laughs> home and uh he's a two hundred and ninety pound yeah. uh nearly pro boxer back in the day and he hits stinking hard. Mm-hmm. And then those days, those next few days you just you're 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 a bit more emotional, you you have trouble focusing yeah. and yeah. yeah. So try to avoid getting plugged by that guy as much as you possibly <laughs> that's can.
1: A, that's a good, uh, good uh, plan in the morning. Yeah. Step number one: don't get hit by him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, did you do any supplements or anything? Um, all I've ever done is uh, creatine and uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, for a brain fart there. Um, creatine and you know protein powder. Okay. Um, and you know, regular things like omega-3s and, and vitamin C. And, Super good the, the, for the brain, yeah, yeah. yeah. Plug a lot of those.
0: I was um, doing a lot of uh, lion's mane mushrooms. Uh, this mm-hmm. is my son, by the way. He's going to take pictures. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was doing a lot of uh, lion's, mane, lion's mane mushroom uh, supplements, mm-hmm. uh, which I felt really, really helped when I was sparring. Help helped with cognitive ability. Mm-hmm. And I really felt like it helped in the brain. There's some studies showing that that's... Um, that it works really well yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. Um and along with I think niacin or B three. Mm-hmm. So it helps mm-hmm. push it right to the outside of the nerve endings and the capillaries mm-hmm. to, to, to give you the best um results
1: from from yeah. the from the mushrooms. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I've taken other stuff, but Barb would be the one to ask about that yeah, Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know
0: typically my wife will have a bunch on the table she's like take two of these in the morning one in mm-hmm. the afternoon and one before you go to no, bed no, and it's no. just all this now I'm like okay yep. people, yes, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> what would you like me to do yep he's uh my son's trying not to get in the camera as he takes pictures but it's all good He'll be my producer one day, I think. there you go. Yeah, as soon as he um, thinks that this is as cool as video games. (laughs) (laughs) That might take a little while to get there. Uh, Where were we? Oh, so the brain injury. So how long before you felt like you were really over um, the brain injury? Oh, uh,
1: not. Still not. Still not, yeah. But if you'd ask... Like, it's funny, like, even the, the today. Um, so, when the Chinook blew in, in, in the area and the wind was blowing, I woke up and you would have thought that I had taken like a, an entire box of like, what's that? Like the cough medicine that makes you all sleepy. Oh, Neoson, NyQuil. Yeah, NyQuil. Or something yeah. You would have thought that I would have taken that. Uh, my head was so fuzzy. I literally took three naps uh, this morning. Wow. Uh, because I, I couldn't function. Uh, yeah. Which is. Pretty unusual for me, but I notice it when uh, the weather changes like that. Um, and if I eat, if I don't eat properly, um, the cheese starts sliding off the cracker, so to speak. That's okay. a technical term for it. That's right. Where's the cheese, shot? I don't know. Um, but uh, like when people ask, like uh, when I'm fine, when I'm at my best, like I, I'll say that people say, How so how good are you now? And I'll say, Well, I'm probably. I'd say about 90, 95% back to what I used to be. Nice. If you ask my wife, though, Mm -hmm. last time someone asked both of us the same question, she said 75. Okay. Um, Because I'm I'm different. Yeah. I am different now. My my sense of humor, or what you would call a (laughs) sense of humor, I'm I'm very much a clown uh, most of my life. Uh, That has come back that's come back, you know, say like 75% of it has come back, but yeah. I lost it almost completely for, for a good three, four years. Wow. Um, but,
0: uh, well, yeah. what was the actual diagnosis by the doctor? So maybe tell us about the car accident if you don't oh. mind.
1: Oh yeah. Um, no, I, we were just driving on 17th Avenue and got rear ended by a, a city road crew truck. Oh wow. Oh, a couple guys in the truck, they were gawking at the girls on the side <laughs> of the road and slammed into, into us. Um, and it, it's, It's funny because it wasn't even really that big of an accident. Like it it was an older car, so it was written off. Um, But I didn't hit my head. My head, you know, snapped back, but it didn't hit the headrest from what I could tell. And the head would snap forward because we hit the car in front of us, but it was like a whipping, whipping motion. Yeah. And I think the doctor said, if I remember right, when I eventually went to the doctor, uh, said that I had a a shearing (laughs) It was like a shearing concussion. He was talking about like the lobes of my brain tearing apart or something like that. Oh, and I was wow. Like, wow! I'm glad I'm going to forget that. <laughs> um, there are some good things about losing some memory. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, you know, the doctors they didn't know what to do. Um, time after time, uh, the different doctors I would see, they would literally say, "We don't know. Um, yeah, you definitely have a problem, but we don't uh, we don't know what to do about it. So yeah. sorry." And so it was It was like year three when we finally found, uh, um, I can't remember, Barb remembers all the stuff, whatever, but we, we somehow were connected with um, some, some neuros- uh, specialists that worked with, uh, con- specifically with concussions and specifically even with NFL football players and that sort of thing. CTE
0: and... Yeah, and they'd, yeah.
1: they'd done a lot of that, and so they actually connect us with them, and that was monstrous. It was, it was the turning point for me. I, I literally, I don't remember a lot, but I remember the moment I was standing in the, um, the doctor's office, and I remember the, this particular doctor saying, I can't, we can't promise that we can get you back to normal, back to what you were. Yeah. But we can make you better. Nice. Much better, and I broke down yeah I, I, it was three years of hell, three years of uh, literally curled up on the couch in fetal position many days just was it, was it headaches? was it pain? Was... No, no for me it wasn't uh, I had a headache like the first day or so yeah. Um, but it was uh, it was I mean the, the depression started to sink in, but it was uh, un, unable to put thoughts together, unable to talk. Hmm. Uh, it was the personality changing. Like I, I've always been very. My personality has always been very long suffering. Uh, ironically, I only was in like in three fights you know, when I was like <laughs> in high school and in college, and those were just one of those. I was like you know, the the type of person that you just push and push and push and push and push and push, and, push. and six months later he finally explodes. And yeah. <laughs> that would that was me. A I, I, I very very long suffering, very uh, never. Gotten to arguments with people, and then that completely switched. Wow! And um, yeah, so so were you
0: more aggressive?
1: More? Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bar, which is funny. You talk about you not not really realizing how it affects everybody else. Whatever. I didn't see it. Yeah. Um. But again, I remember standing at that doctor's office, and I remember the moment that I realized that it was much much worse than what I thought was when. Barb was talking to the doctor and she broke down and she was crying and she, and she was just, just sobbing and she said, I want my husband back. Yeah. And I remember standing there just completely like no emotion, just completely empty of any kind of emotion, just sta- standing there staring at her going, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like I, I, I couldn't even fathom what she was talking about. And that was when I started to somehow clue in that there was something horribly wrong. Yeah. But
0: yeah. Uh, what can you say about good women, right? <laughs>
1: Oh, we don't have a long enough podcast yeah
0: yeah i uh, it was international women's day yeah. a couple of days Ooh. ago and um you know i talked about on uh, the post i put on there how much uh, nurturing patience care love and that that we get from from yeah. good women yeah. and uh, not that uh, the world is full of them but there's definitely a bunch of them that are worth yeah. uh talking about and i i feel like i got uh, i won the the Mm-hmm. the marriage lottery for sure <laughs> that, you know I think of some of the things I did uh, said in a marriage that you know it, it was just absurd I remember one day having an argument with my wife and I got out a pen and paper and I'm like let's just write down what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not allowed to say and do and then we can solve all that,
1: and that I bet you that went well
0: it, yeah real real well I uh, remember looking across the table and I'm like why is she getting so angry <laughs> and then I realized what I was doing and it was it was completely absurd, the, yep. the thought process I was in, and uh, I remember another time that uh, I'd called her crazy, and she oh. goes, oh. you know you're crazy too, right? <laughs> and I went, <laughs> oh, yeah, I probably am a little bit crazy, but she's just uh, very stoic and a beacon of intelligence. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Good for you. That's good for you. Yeah, I didn't have to deal with the over-emotional, crazy mm-hmm. yelling.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I won the lottery. For um, sure. That sounds you. like Barb's a pretty phenomenal oh, yeah. lady too. Yeah. It was her birthday yesterday. And so we were just celebrating that. And she's just, um, I told her, I told her, you know, I said, look at the fruit of your life. And you look at the people that are around you. And you can't make people love you. Right. You can't make people like you. No. And so when you got people around you, and she's got so many people around her that just just gather around her because of the quality of person that she is. Yeah. Um, I said, look at the fruit of your life. It's, it's incredible. It's truly incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. I. It's I,
0: literally I, like winning the lottery, right? <laughs> <laughs> she, I, uh, I, uh,
1: I, I. You know, you hear people say, "Oh, I don't know where I'd be. I wouldn't be alive without you, or whatever." But I mean, honestly, yeah. I mean, especially, especially in the last ten years. Yeah. I mean, she just put up with me before <laughs> then, but. <laughs> last eight years, she really had a fight for me. She really had a right. fight for me, and I'm just uh, deeply grateful, yeah. deeply grateful for that.
0: Yeah, I um, we hear about it in energy all the time. there's our last podcast was talking about domestic abuse, and mm-hmm. um, uh, a lot of people are talking about infidelities, like the amount of divorces. I think mm-hmm. we have, And maybe it's everywhere, but here for sure, there's a lot of divorces and mm-hmm. stuff. And I just, I never understood the thought process behind that for mm-hmm. for what what you're going to obtain, what you're going to get. It's mm-hmm. this you know what, and we talked about it today at work. I was trying to teach our guys about sacrifice, about pay, paying your future self um, right now. Like if you were going to give Sean McCulley, um at 55 something, what would you do? You're going to do it right now, mm-hmm. right? Like that's what sacrifice is and no one seems to be willing to do it anymore and this mm-hmm. is where these infidelities come in and the insecurities and the abuse mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So yeah, again, I really seriously feel like I've won the lottery and my wife just doesn't have those. If I go with the boys, it's never like, who was there? What's going on? Mm-hmm. It's just, just happy that I'm home and happy yeah. that we're doing something the next day.
1: Yeah. yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, well, I'm not sure where to go. Tell us a little more about formidable, uh, combative arts. What is the, the goal? Oh,
1: um, you know the goal again i mean this all came out of uh, fighting for fighting for my life and fighting for the life of my family honestly and came out of that came out of that and <laughs> fighting fighting for this microphone too um <laughs> Slouching, bad posture for a trainer. What's his problem? <laughs> Everyone's gonna see it on YouTube. He's, he's you not very all. <laughs> Too much deadlifts. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, not enough deadlifts. Yeah. Um, never, never <laughs> enough deadlifts. Sorry, sorry, I'm back. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, what came out of came out of that was just um, pre pre accident for me even though I thought I was very disciplined and I was very um, deliberate with how I lived, and I was in many ways, but pre-accident to post-accident, the difference would be realizing that there truly is a fight, a fight in life. Everyone's got a fight. Everyone's got, uh, has, has obstacles, has um, giants, so to speak, uh, in front of them. Um, that they have to get through for themselves and for their families. And the passivity that's in our lives is absolutely de- is, is so incredibly destructive. And, and I think one of the reasons why passivity is so destructive is is that, it, that it's like there's this like this subtle m- malice. That kind of grows in us. This, 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 um, this indifference that grows in us that 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 is hard to pinpoint. And especially in our Canadian culture, it can actually pass as being nice, and being. Being being a being a friendly nice guy, uh, but the problem is is that there's the, the passivity that grows and grows in us actually keeps us from fighting for our lives and fighting for the our families and fighting for the life that we need and, and that we should have in our communities in our country. Pre accident for me uh, to post accident was all of a sudden me realizing that I needed to fight that I needed to do something mm-hmm. that this was not going to get handed to me. And I was going to have to literally fight for my life. And I, re- I literally remember the day I remember speaking of length f- in fetal position on the couch. I remember laying on the couch in fetal position. I can't remember what month it was after the accident, but it, for me, it, it, the, it just started to slide every day, every week. It just got worse and worse and worse for me uh, for the first three years. And at one point, Within the first year, I was curled up on the couch in fetal position, um, cried out. I was no longer crying anymore. The depression had just had uh, just worn me right out. Barb was at work, the girls were at school, and I was just laying there. And I just remember going, "Hmm, I guess this is it." Oof. And I was a
0: sobering thought.
1: Yeah, and and it wasn't that I was suicidal. I know there's so many people that uh, deal with that. I've never, for whatever reason, I've just never been suicidal. I don't know why. I'm grateful, but I, I just never have. But it was, a, it was just this moment where I just realized nothing's gonna change. And, and as I laid there, curled up, Right beside our couch is uh, like so many people have like a, a big stand that has a whole bunch of photos in it, and it's all the photos of our family, Barb and myself, and our oldest daughter Teresa and Naomi, our youngest. and And uh, I was just looking at all those pictures, and I was looking at their faces, and um, and, and I mean, the Lord spoke to me. And I have a deep, deep faith in, in Jesus. And he just it wasn't writing on the wall. It wasn't like this booming voice Sean or anything like that. It was just this it was just this quiet, quiet prompting in my head, in my heart. And and he said, What are you gonna do?
0: So you, you thought this is it, this is the way life's gonna be. Yeah. And then you heard a
1: voice. Yeah, mm-hmm. just just in my heart. What are you gonna do? Yeah, what are you gonna do? And I just thought I don't know what I can do. And he's like you got to do something. And I was like I I don't know. I don't, I I don't know what to do and he goes then do something. Yeah. And literally all I could do at that moment was I thought to myself stand up. And um, my leg was still messed up. And I Laid on the couch for a minute and I thought, stand up, stand up, stand the frick up. And I fought and I fought, and I fought. You would have thought I was fighting a bear. <laughs> uh, and it was just like, just stand up. And eventually I cr- pushed myself off of that couch and I stood up on my one good leg in front of those pictures of my family. And I felt like he just told me, he said, you got to fight for your family. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I may not be able to get myself back to what I was before, but I've got to get myself at least better to some point that I can be at least helpful in some sort of form or fashion for my wife and my girls. Right. And literally it started with me standing up in my living room and then sitting back down and then standing back up. And that was literally my rehab for the first few days. And then it just built from there and built from there. And it literally went from me standing up standing up from my, on my, from my couch to having a, a, a complete gym and dojo in Cochrane and training kids and police officers and military guys and everything like that. It went from literally me laying in fetal position on my couch to that. Laying, laying on fe- in fetal position on my, you know, my couch feeling like there was nothing left and that I was done to for me believing that the Lord took that and took something that was meant for destruction in my life. And he empowered me by, by pushing me and actually uh, getting in my face and saying, you've got to get a will to fight here. Yeah. You got to get a will to fight. You need to build and strengthen your will here because your will is weak. Your will is weak.
0: Were you passive before the accident?
1: Oh uh, yeah. I mean, my, my nature is I'm, like passive aggressive. I mean, I was, I'm a very, I'm life of the party. I always draw attention. I'm always, I'm a strong leader and all, all that, all that sort of thing. But, but I, I had to dig and find something, something that I didn't have before that. And, and so when I talk about, you know, deadlifting and I do people ask me about it and go, why do you enjoy that so much? It's a, it, it literally is a spiritual experience for me. It's, it's a, it's me tapping into an, a strength that 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 I was created for. Yeah. When I do martial arts, it's the same thing. Uh, it, it's the kindness of God in my life. And it's his mercy in my life that has given me this crazy um, ability to learn martial arts at the age of 50. And learn difficult martial arts and roll around with guys half my age or less, whatever, and not... <laughs> Kill myself, whatever, and 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 it's just tapping in. It's digging deep in, and it's finding finding a strength that I did not believe I had, yeah, and that I was afraid of. Uh, and that that was probably the biggest thing for me. I think it's the biggest thing for everybody.
0: Were you a believer your whole life? Did you grow up in church and mm-hmm. church family? No. So when when
1: did that start for you? Um, I, I a friend a friend of mine uh, started. Bringing me to church when I was like sixteen, seventeen, 17, around there, maybe fifteen. Um, I met Barb when we were sixteen <laughs> at, the, at some youth youth event, um, and I'd been going to church, but I didn't really actually take God seriously until I was eighteen. Yeah, when I got <laughs> tossed into jail. Whoops. I-
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was uh, What was that for?
1: Uh, excuse me. Um, it was for. Um, Breaking and entering, and uh, assaulting a police officer, and drug trafficking.
0: You don't go halfway, eh? (laughs) It could
1: have just been grabbing (laughs) a chocolate bar from the local Circle (laughs) K. eh? It was. It was a very. um, uh, Never got charged. Went to court. They let me off. It was very nice <laughs> That's uh,
0: <laughs> So you originally started With breaking enter And assaulting a police officer
1: And then Yeah yeah. Got, uh, there was a group of us There was a group of us okay. And again I was the passive aggressive Kind of guy So everyone's ca- Causing trouble And I'm just kind of Bouncing around And I was the, I was the lippy one Of the group <laughs> And then that so all So you the first
0: one Getting cuffed And tossed into the back yeah, Of the car and yeah yeah.
1: yeah yeah It was a It was a, a very um, It was a very very teachable moment, shall we say, for me.
0: So you, you had known Barb. Were you dating her at the time? Yes. And so, what did she think about you being
1: tossed in the jail? <laughs> oh, Barb, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, she, she was my. She was the person I phoned. I got one phone call, and so I, <laughs> I phoned her. <laughs> wow, that's brave. <laughs> yes, she was. Um, she even back then, she was just a a rock and um, uh, just a strength, and she was praying for me, and oh, she was trying to hold me account, trying to smarten me up. And thankfully, thankfully I did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, was, it was months after that that I went to Bible college. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> so do you, do you pastor now? Uh, not anymore. I no. uh, pastored from about for about 20 25 years. Oh, Who wow. uh, was pastoring and leading and doing all that up until the accident. And okay. Then, then a number of months after the accident I stepped down.
0: What church were you pastoring at?
1: Uh the last one was uh C3 C3 Church.
0: Oh the one out on uh I say, or Highway 1 yeah, on the west one. side of yeah, town. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I was uh, on staff there as <clears throat> one of the associate pastors or executive pastors and we planted a church downtown for a number of years. Yeah. Sorry, I keep doing that. <laughs> Pardon me for Slouching,
0: yeah, it's all good. The um, well, that's really cool that uh, that you you heard the voice. I think a lot of people are I don't know, right? We describe this. I think there's a lot of people that are dying to hear the voice, but not mm-hmm. dying to do the work it takes to hear God's voice. Mm-hmm. That they're not willing to read and study and understand what He wants. We just did a a Bible study with a group called uh, God's game plan with uh, Andy Stanley mm. and uh, it was really, really good. But they talked about the provincial will of God. There's some things that we absolutely know are true about God and there's nothing we can do to change how that is going to go. Everyone's tried, Caesar's tried, kings have tried, uh, you know, many, many armies have tried to destroy uh, destroy it and it's just not going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, when you start understanding what that is and accepting that, that uh, that we win, that uh, um, everything around us is designed for our good. There's there's just mm-hmm. certain things that are will of God and when you understand those, all the other stuff becomes really easy mm-hmm. to deal with and, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that I hear God's voice in my head, like, you know, God Almighty or right, right, Almighty. Right, right. I, yeah. I don't hear that but I know what he wants Mm -hmm. and uh, I I, want to do those things and when I do those things my life gets significantly better every time I listen Mm -hmm. and uh, you know whether you hear the voice or don't hear the voice uh, just do the stuff that you know you're supposed to do you know it in your heart you feel it in your heart Mm -hmm. Uh, stand up and challenge yourself and and do something I'm uh, listening to uh, David Goggins book I don't know if you know who he is Uh, ex- uh, Navy guy, SEAL, uh, grew up in a massively... abusive home his dad mm-hmm. used to whip him till he was too tired to do it anymore a mm-hmm. uh, belt on bare six wow. seven eight year old boy uh, if anyone's get the chance you gotta you gotta read or listen to the david goggle books and mm-hmm. it, it'll blow your mind but the one thing that he talks about is about doing the hard things in life right mm-hmm. getting off the couch mm-hmm. um doing something you don't normally do and there's so much power in those things in your life yeah. i think from a a religious or uh, however you want to say it standpoint mm-hmm. from a psychological standpoint and just making the world a little bit of a better place. Yeah. Just get off your butt and do something yeah. a little bit hard. Yeah. It can be deadlifts.
1: Yeah. Just, just challenge yeah. yourself. Yeah. And that, that was really what, I mean, going back to what you asked about, you know, formidable. I mean, that, that's what this all came out of. Just realizing that, that I needed, I needed more of a fight in me. I needed to galvanize my will, so to speak. I needed to strengthen my will. And and it, it, it takes very practical and often, most often, very simple things. Uh, but you have to do them. And you have to do them consistently. And you right. have to do them deliberately. And that's that's how... That's how you, you want you know, want to talk about you know talk about faith and all that. That that's actually how faith works. Some people say, "Oh, you're a man of faith," or "Well, well we all are."
0: Yeah, men and women
1: of faith. We all have faith in something. And it, and what I came to realize was is it's not a question of whether we have faith. It's a question of what am I willing to put my faith in. Mm-hmm. Is what the question is, and that's that's the whole freedom of choice thing. That's how God created us. And we've been given this incredible gift of choosing freely what we're going to put our faith in every day. And it's, and it's most, almost always small things, hundreds and thousands of choices that we make every day. But every one of those adds up. They multiply in our lives. And Formidable for me was, even, the, even that name Formidable was something that I, I, I resisted. When, when the, I when, love it. It uh, like, sounds good just even coming off your lips. Yeah. Formidable. formidable. But when I first, when the word first came to me, I did not like it. And the reason why I didn't like it, it was the same reason why I didn't like the idea of, uh, you know, saying that I was a warrior or saying that I train up warriors. Yeah. All of that sort of stuff. It was even, even like being in... Uh, going to like a men's retreat or a men's conference or whatever. And you'd hear men talk, we're warriors and all the stuff and we're strong and all the stuff. And they dress like Braveheart and paint their faces blue and run, run around the room and everything like that. And I hated it. I hated it. It just, it just graded against me. And I, this, this self-righteous arrogant kind of thing rose up in me every time I got around that sort of thing. And I thought I was being so right. I just like, Oh, what are you? You're not a warrior. What are you guys doing? And I would just, I would just rail against it all the time. And then I came to realize through the events of this accident and then having to fight out of it, I came to realize how afraid I was of it. Yeah. And actually what I was afraid of was I was afraid of who I was. And I was afraid that I didn't have what it takes to actually be that. And so the only way I could deal with it was by mocking it. And there's that passive aggressive part of me where I was really good at the mockery, really good at being sarcastic. But after the accident, and then having to fight through that, all of a sudden, sarcasm doesn't help. No. <laughs> doesn't no. help one bit. And I had to really start to fight for my life and for the life of my family. And I had to start to look at what I was really putting my faith in. And when the, the even the word formidable, um, when I came across it, I really felt quite impressed that that was actually what I was supposed to change my business to, because the business used to be Urban Fit. Um, it still is the business. The I don't know the government the domain, name. Yeah. yeah, whatever. My wife knows; she always reminds me of that. <laughs> um, but uh, and I did not want it. I did not want it. And I remember the day that um, I started actually the whole Instagram. You speak follow me on Instagram. I remember when I started posting stuff on Instagram, and then I remember when the thought came to me, and I believed it was God, but it was a thought, and it was that you start hashtagging. I am formidable. I went, oh, not a chance. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Oh, I'm not doing that. Strong and the and the the, the the theme's always always been uh, our taglines always strong and ready which comes from James James when you live like this, when you grow like this, then you'll be strong in character and ready for anything. Yeah. And and I went, no, I'm not going to do that and I and also I started to do a soul sh- soul sh- search in my heart as to why my problem was. And I realized it was I was fearful. I was yeah. so afraid that I was not that. I was afraid of what other people were thinking. Oh, what are people What if thinking? you get called out? Yeah, what if you get called out? This is one of the reasons why I was terrified of opening up uh, our gym. And I remember the first number of weeks, I was just waiting for some guy, you know, white gi and a black belt with... <laughs> 200 stripes on it to walk through and say, I'm going to challenge your sensei and come in and you will know, want to fight me or whatever. I just remember thinking it was going to happen and I was so terrified. and, and, and Too many old martial arts oh, movies, do. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've, <laughs> and I've heard stories. Uh, but uh, uh, then through some people and through prayer and through just uh, you know, considering all these things, I started to realize, what am I afraid of? And, I'm, and I realized I'm afraid of failing. Yeah. Well, we joined the club. We, we, all <laughs> we all do. We all do. Well, I'm afraid of not having all the answers. Join the club. No one does. Right. Well, I'm not. I'm afraid of not being the strongest in the room. Well, join the club. Yeah. And you start to go down the list, and also you realize how foolish you are. And and then, what what got me off the couch that day was the faces of my family.
2: Yeah.
1: It wasn't how am I going to save myself. It wasn't how am I going to get my how am I going to get my profession back because I lost everything. Everything uh, everything I was known for, all my business, my graphic design business was gone. My my pastoring was gone. My preaching was gone. uh, Everything. I couldn't do anything. But it wasn't even that. That couldn't get me off the couch. Depression actually kept, that just got me deeper and deeper in depression. What got me off the couch was, what are you going to do for the faces of those people that you love? Right. What are you going to do for that? And so when the name Formidable came to me, the same question came to me and it was, is this about you or is this about every man, woman, and child that you're going to have the opportunity to instill some courage in them, some boldness in them, some strength in them. And for them to all of a sudden rise up a couple notches, and all of a sudden to start to feel formidable and strong themselves so that yeah. they can actually fight for their families, fight for their lives, fight for, fight for the life that they were created for. And when my perspective changed from being so self-centered and so self-focused and so, oh, what about me? What, about, what am I doing? No one thinks I'm strong <laughs> and all this stuff and people go to this and that and everything like that. Uh, when uh, that's changed and all of a sudden love started to actually motivate me instead of, instead of uh, selfishness. And fear. Yeah. Then all of a sudden I was just like, oh, like when I, I, I remember one of my favorite memories in re- recent memories was after one of our kids' classes, our junior combatives class, and we went through a number of months, a whole bunch of curriculum that Naomi and I were teaching them. And then uh, we were testing them, and it was all awesome. And then uh, I had just the time. All the parents were there in behind them, and the kids are sitting on the mats or whatever. And I said, does anyone have any questions? I mean, you're always hearing from us, whatever. Do you have any questions? And one of the kids goes, Sensei Sean. I said, Yes what belt are you? I said, Oh, I'm glad you're bringing this. That's a good question. That's a good question. I said, I'm a white belt. And all the kids, Whoa, he's (laughs) a white belt. And they were all looking at each other. Like it was the most incredible thing. It was like, I was a Bruce Lee reincarnated or something like that. He's a white belt. And I said, Hey guys, you know what? You know, what's awesome. What? You're a white belt too. (laughs) We're the same belt. They're like, mm. And you could tell all of a sudden they're like, their brains were like trying to put but, it together. And the parents were kind of, all of a sudden they heard it. And I remember why I so fondly think of that moment is because the fear was gone. Yeah. All of a sudden I was standing in front of these parents who could have easily gone, What? Yeah. You don't have your 200th degree on your black belt, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, whatever. Grab the kids. Let's get out of here, honey, kind of thing, whatever. It was, uh, the fear was gone. Yeah. And that was, that is literally, literally out of the last 10 years, the only time I've been asked about what belt I am. Yeah. It was, hey, let's roll. Hey, let's teach. Yeah. And I, I always start, I always start with all my, especially my adult class, uh, with the adults, if they're, if they're bringing their kids. But then, if I have adults that come and they want to train with me, I go, "Great, um, come train with me and see what it's like." Yeah, watch, watch me. Uh, talk, talk to my students. Here, here's my coaches, and I'll tell them, talk, talk to them about Padgett, I'll, uh, Padgett, Cutting, and talk to them about uh, Coach Wayne. I'll talk and I go, "Here's, here's them. You can talk to them. Yeah, talk to them. Watch how I do it. And if it's good, then great. If yeah. it's not." It's good. I'll okay. show, I, I, no I, harm, no foul. I, I know a whole bunch of really good coaches. Yeah, in the area, or whatever. And I can I can send them, send you to them.
0: Our city's full of great coaches. Yeah, they really very are. Much, yeah. The because um, I had asked you that too. I I assumed you were a black belt, and mm-hmm. you said that uh, one of the things that made you feel comfortable in teaching is you went down to I think California mm-hmm. and uh, trained with um, Eric
1: Eric Paulson. Eric Paulson and, yeah, and
0: uh, Eddie Bravo, yep, at the yep. 10th Planet guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, you felt really good down there, mm-hmm. rolling with uh, the blacks and the browns and the purples mm-hmm. and yeah. and, you know, getting your butt handed to you, yep, which yep. you should in a Wish good we, club, right? <laughs> You're better, especially
1: when the world's best come together. Yep.
0: Exactly. And uh, that, that's amazing because I think too many people put a lot of focus on that proverbial carrot and mm-hmm. uh, that's all they're focusing on and not really the art, not really just growing yourself and and uh, doing it a little bit better than you did the day before, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was teaching at Submit Self-Defense, I would tell people, what if you just got 1% better every class? Yeah. Where would you be in 100 classes. Yeah. You know, it's it's amazing how quick that you can improve and just you know, get some of the thought processes down and, and understanding why you jab at this point or why you shift your hip this way or or whatever. When you when you start understanding how the system works, and then it's really easy for you to grow and move mm-hmm. into that next. But with no growth, when you're just looking at uh, you know banging out the next kata so you can get the mm-hmm. next stripe or the next belt, yep, yep. it's it's a different mentality, right? Yep. And not that there's anything wrong with those, because yep, some people no. need those to grow and, yep. and they need that to drive themselves, but I think someone like you that didn't need that proverbial mm-hmm. carrot, um, you probably have a better understanding mm-hmm. of the game as some of the guys that
1: you know really are black belts. Yeah. But the truth is, is that I mean, I did need it for so long, that was that was the big problem. <laughs> I mean, I really wanted, we talked about it uh, beforehand, but you know, I, I. Uh, my jiu jitsu coach uh, Wayne Loftus and and uh, Padgett Cutting and Kung Tao. and I would I'd be asking them I mean, when when can we when can we do a grading and when can we do this and 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 for for both of them they've they've walked away from uh, walked away from the the, the belts uh, they walked away from that and they just want to focus on the art and they want to focus on just becoming yours and I was like yeah that sounds awesome but when are you going to give me belts? belt? And, <laughs> and it was that insecurity in me. And, and I, and I would never say that it's wrong and people should put, people shouldn't do belts. I got great friends that are in other clubs and, and doing great stuff. And they, they're got, they've got higher belts than me and everything. Well, like, you only have a white, so <laughs> all, I got my white belt. It just sits on my shelf uh, in my, in my, uh, in my in my uh, studio, yeah. but but for for me it was it's connect is connected with the, the rest of everything. Like I was talking about that whole formidable thing. If 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 it's not in you, it, it'll never be outside of you. You, you, you really got to lay a hold of it in in your heart and in your mind. And for me, it, it's just it's been that journey. And I've tried, I've tried, I tried to even with uh, coach uh, Eric Paulson, uh, CSW down in California. I was really excited because I was, gonna, I was uh, applying to become one of their coaches up here in Canada. Yeah. But that even fell through. I can go through a long list of all these different, um, different opportunities that I look for. And- yeah, but I couldn't because there, there's another coach that's right in the area. And so they have like, I can't remember how many kilometers uh, that you can't uh, can't have a, a competing, competing coach. And so that, w- that fell through. And that's happened so many times. And every time it would just, it would just like, he would just dig deep in me and it would just bug me. And, and, uh, and I remember, I remember this one day, you know, uh, it was actually when that, that last one with, or with coach Eric fell through i was mean, still go train and everything, but I couldn't become one of their coaches. And, uh, and I was sitting in the office and I was moping <laughs> as, as men can do from time to time. And Barb walked past the office to leave, to go to work. And she stuck her head in the office and she said, you know, maybe, maybe this is just uh, getting after some insecurity in you. Like, why don't you believe in yourself? Yeah. Why do you need, why do you need that certificate to believe in yourself? Then she went to work, you know, like a wife can do. Just like, just, just like tosses a grenade into the office and then off she goes.
0: you and get to the, stew on that all day. <laughs> the next
1: next four and a half hours sitting there. Going, Why am I bleeding? <laughs> whatever the sucking chest wound. But uh, she oh. she was so right about that. And yeah. so and then then I think about it. I mean for for us what we do again. I'm not teaching people to compete necessarily or anything like that. But it's about self defense and it's about it's about empowering people. Hopefully they'll never have to use it. Yeah. I have had students that have had to, but you know hopefully they never have to. But in in a physical confrontation, but they will use this formidability. They will use this strength and this character. They will use this, this newfound boldness, this in in every area of their lives. And it's, it's actually been quite disarming for all my students when, when eventually they find out that I don't have a belt. (laughs) They're like, what are are you, are you serious? I go, yeah. But then they go, Oh, then I don't need a belt. No, you don't. No. No, you're, you're quite formidable. You're, you can actually learn. I'm, I'm teaching you stuff that the world champions are learn, that are training in right now. Right. You don't need that belt to learn this. Yeah. They're like, ah, how do I
0: know? Uh, formidable, I think I looked up the definition. It's something about uh, invoking fear in mm-hmm. others, um, which I like that, that, that definition for the reason being um, in the David Goggin book, David Goggins' book. He was talking about stealing someone's soul, and uh, not in the the spiritual realm, but taking away their ability to have any kind of power over top of you. He talks about wow. some buds that you know whenever the the. I want to say coach, not a coach. Whenever the leaders and buds were trying to get them to do uh, more, um, drive them, he'd go a little step further. I can do more than you're even asking me to mm-hmm. do. Right. And then eventually they just stop asking him to do more because you're like, I don't know what I'm going to kill him. Like if, wow. if I tell him to jump off a 10 foot cliff, he's going to jump off a 15 foot cliff. <laughs> and you know, he just would always do that. And he talks about it as in stealing someone's soul. Then he went mm-hmm. to ultra running and it was the same thing. Like just go out there and beat the pants off him in the first little while and just get that big lead where they go, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't even know how I'm going to catch up to them. And like, you just steal people's ability Mm -hmm. to even think that they can beat you, right? Yeah. Um, And and I think when I hear formidable, I think that same thing. Someone that's just like super confident that just if a a thug or a thief or someone is Mm -hmm. looking at them, they're going... No, that one's just too tough. Mm-hmm. It's like two bears and they look at each other and just the one bear goes, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to take that other bear on. You mm-hmm. want to be that second bear. You want to be not the guy running around wielding the sword or the belt, as mm-hmm. it were. Mm-hmm. You want to be the guy that just everyone looks at and goes, yeah, I don't want to mess with
1: that guy. Yeah. That's what formidable is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's, um, oh, who was I listening to? I was listening to Jocko's podcast um, and he... He had, uh, I can't remember who he had on there just recently. And they were talking about, it'll come to me in a second, but, and they were talking about dangerous, dangerous and disciplined and the need for that. And the need for, men, and they're talking even specifically of men, the need for dangerous men, but yeah. disciplined and how that just grades against our culture right now. Right. Very much so.
0: They call it
1: um, toxic ma- toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I get. There is that. There is that when we talk about you know when we talk about like even here in Airdrie and the, the incredible horrible uh, rate of uh, domestic abuse and stuff right. like that. There's no there's no room for that. Absolutely no room. So much so that that's why we need dangerous and disciplined men. Hundred percent. To actually to actually combat against that sort of thing. Because when you don't have men and women, and children for that matter, man, they can be they can be strong and courageous. Yeah. But when we don't have strong and courageous, formidable, fear invoking men and women and children that understand what our values are, understand what we believe in, understand what's right and what's wrong. When we don't have that, then darkness really does run amok. Right. When you when you're not when you're not afraid when you're not, you don't have a, that fearful respect of what, how I might respond. So much so that you think you can just walk into my house and take whatever you want. Mm. Whose problem is that? That's my problem. Right. That's that's the problem that I've lived pass passively. I've lived fearfully, and I've 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 revoked. I've I've given up my responsibility to love and care for my home. But when you know that there is going to be a response. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. And you know what? I have friends that they don't they don't do martial arts. I have friends that have absolutely no background in martial arts and we talk about it and we laugh about it and they say if I ever got in a fight, it would be crazy. It would be just arms and legs and teeth. <laughs> and I go, Good. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. And I know they, they are not into martial arts, but they are totally into about guarding and protecting and fighting for their family. Right. Awesome.
0: The the lady that I had on um Crystal Boys uh, head of Airdrie uh, Power, the, the woman shelter in here. One of the things she said in the podcast, it's the only thing I disagreed with her on, was she goes, we're not designed for violence. And I went, hang on a second. I don't think that's true at all. I think we really are designed for violence. Um, when I found out the, the definition of meek, uh, the ability to wield a sword but choose to keep a sheath, that's what I truly believe humans are, mm-hmm. that uh, we have a monster inside of us mm-hmm. that if we can control, we can unleash it when we need it to be, right? We we have that sword available to us at any given mm-hmm. time. When you don't have that, there, there's... It's got to be tough to get through your day to mm-hmm. know that everything... And maybe you can speak on this a little bit better because I think you were at this point in your life mm-hmm. that, that after the accident where you just felt like there was nothing more um, that mm-hmm. you could do. And yep. it, you know it took the, the word of God that speaking into your life for it to come. Mm-hmm. But I think a majority of our population is living that way, just right. getting through the day. Mm-hmm. No challenges, no... Um, I don't know what the word is. No... Um, there's no resistance in yeah. their life. Nothing. Yeah. It's just show up or wake up in the morning. Show up at work. Mm-hmm. Go home. Eat your dinner. Go to bed. There's yeah. there's nothing else in yeah. there, and that has got to be a scary place to to live, mm-hmm. um, where there's there's just no resistance. There's yeah. no no reason
1: mm-hmm. to be formidable. Yeah, and that's the. I mean, you listen to, speaking of different podcasts and whatever, you know, listen to Joe Rogan and he'll talk about that. He'll talk about the need for. You're uh, a pastor and you listen to Joe Rogan? Yes. <laughs> I, I was a pastor. That's why I'm not a new one. No. no, that's not true. Um, but but he, he often talks about just the need for that, that resistance in your life, that need for doing things that are difficult. Um, yeah. And it's not that he's the first one that said that. No, But uh, th- there's a number of keys uh, for me that, that, uh, really saved me and saved my family. There's a number of keys that really um, tr- has transformed us to what we are now, um, and one of them is is that is, is that idea that there's a I, it's a I, I look at it like a virtue that, that where I every day I want to intelligently, not just foolheartedly, but intelli- but intelligently be deliberate in putting myself in situations that is going to make my, myself better. And the only situation that makes you better, the only one is the one that challenges you. You right. don't get better from uh, being comforted and go there, there. That was awesome. And you're, you're great or whatever from warm, fuzzy moments. Those are great and you need them, but it's those challenging moments. Um, when I, when I work with uh, fitness clients, <laughs> how often do I have clients that, you talk about different barriers that people have to break through to really start to grow. One of them is that barrier of that. This never gets easy. Yes. And I go, yes, you're right. (laughs) And I've had clients say, what's wrong. And they don't blame me. They, they actually start beating themselves up and they start blaming themselves saying, what's wrong with me that this never gets easy. Mm. And I have to sit down. uh, I don't sit them down. I keep them moving, but I keep moving. I'll talk to you while you're, while you're sweating. Uh, But I'll say, let me point out a few things remember what you did three weeks ago? Remember the weight that you did? Remember what that was like? Yeah, yeah. Remember what you did the next week? That was 50 pounds more. Remember this? or Not 50 pounds, but you know. Yeah. And you see the increase and you see how I uh, took away the amount of time that you got to rest and you see how I made you actually superset that with this exercise And remember, and you see how I actually made this more complicated so you actually had to think harder about this. You see all of that, compare that to three weeks ago and they're like, wow. And I go, yeah. So yeah, it is hard. Yeah. It's still hard, but it's, it's supposed to be your competence has grown. Right. Incredibly your competence, your, your, your ability to move your ability to relate to your body, your ability to move a weight, your ability to do all this and do it safely has grown so much. So my job is always to find out what your ceiling is and then get you up to it and then just push it just a little bit beyond it. Yeah. Figure out where you where you fail, then pull you back, and then correct those things, and then push you a little bit through, and then a little bit through, and we keep doing that. And I think that 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 ability, that mindset that that that's like one of the keys that I find with people that are living successfully. Yeah, you know, by successfully, I mean that, they, that there's peace in their lives, there's passion in their lives, they're they're growing, they're they're doing things. Um, that, and, and, and th- that key that is in every one of them is this ability that they will actually, they're actually good with making themselves suffer. Mm-hmm. They're comfortable with being uncomfortable. Perfect, perfect illustration of that is jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Perfect. Roll with our friend, our 290-pound <laughs> friend. You better be very comfortable with un. inhumane amounts of uncomfortableness. Right, yeah. You get a 290-pound guy that
0: uh, gets uh, uh, cross-eyed on you or mount on you, you're going to be stinking uncomfortable. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I think uh, Naomi, my daughter, coaches with me, I think we've talked about this countless and she probably rolls her eyes when i how many times <laughs> i bring it up but how often i'm able to and there's the preacher in me to bring bring that back as a metaphor all the time as she's wrestling with something i'll go yeah 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 that is tough remember when uh so-and-so was <laughs> mounted on top of you and was choking you out and you were about to tap and i looked at you and i said don't tap yeah you you're you can still breathe can't you yeah okay, then keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. You're free, now get her, (laughs) kind of thing. And always bring that back. Sure, she rolls her eyes all the time when I do it now, but I'm constantly reminding her, this is that. This isn't jujitsu. This is your finances. This is wrestling with a friend that you're having a hard time emotionally with. This is whatever it is, but this is the same thing. Be okay with being uncomfortable with this. Don't run. Don't tap too soon. There are times to tap. Yeah, but there most a lot of times it's not the right time. No, no, no. Yeah. The uh, I remember uh,
0: training under David Lee in Kelowna and uh, thinking that I knew what it was like to push myself. I'd had a pretty good track coach and you know played soccer and stuff like that. And I and I thought I knew what it was like to be uncomfortable. And then you do jiu-jitsu or you do MMA. <laughs> uh, I remember the first time that I vomited. So I. I <laughs> The guys in the class had pushed so hard and I just, I wanted to be as good as the guy and they were way better than me. I wanted to be as good as them so bad. I didn't want to tap, I didn't want to step out, I didn't want to take a break, I didn't want nothing. I just kept going and going and the guy had uh, side mount on me um, and went to put, go knee on belly and as soon as I felt his knee coming up, I went, stop, 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 stop <laughs> in a panic and he's like, what? And he backed off and I went, And I yacked on the mat <laughs> and then uh, David comes over and like, are you okay? And I'm Pulling my shirt off and I'm trying to get all the vomit off the mat and getting it yeah, cleaned yeah. up and stuff just so I could go back rolling again that yep. was it and like yep. I threw my shirt in the garbage and we get a little disinfected I, I'm like can I roll now can I roll like, you can roll I'm like yeah I can roll mm-hmm. and then you just go right back at it but I had pushed my body so hard that I literally vomited it was like yeah. stop stupid this is more than you can handle <laughs> um, and then you can go right back at it again and I probably rolled another five or six minutes Yeah. Um, and uh, David Goggins talks about, I think Jocko Willink does uh, a lot of, t- talking about the 40% rule, right? Mm-hmm. We n- mm-hmm. never want to push our body past 40%. Mm. Um, I talked to my daughter about it at uh, her track meet this weekend. It was the first time running 300 and, you know, she's super, super nervous and I, Told her about the forty percent rule that no one ever wants to push past that. Even your brain doesn't yeah. want you to push your body past mm-hmm. that. So when you go out there, just think about that, and just think about going a little bit harder than you did before. Yep. And so you know she she's the and she says all the time I'm not being a mean dad. She's the worst person on the track team. Like she she's only been at it for three months. It's uh, not her gig. But her only goal this weekend was to be a little bit better than what her uh, practice times were. And mm-hmm. so on her 16 meters, she dropped half a second off. And on her mm-hmm. 300 meters, she dropped two seconds off. Yep. I'm like, you won. You, that, that's the most significant thing you're going to do in a long time is just beat yourself um at, at what you're doing here mm-hmm. but i think it was that her understanding that i probably wasn't pushing myself mm-hmm. when she was done her 300 meter she flopped to the ground she tripped on her uh, spikes a couple of times she she had trouble walking and i'm like you never do that in practice you never yep. push yourself that hard that you um uh, you, you tire yourself out that more. I'm like, you probably hit 45%. Yeah. There's still another 55% in you. Like, let's yeah. see what you got. So yeah. she she's getting excited. And, and you know, David uh, Goggins and Jocko Willink talk about that. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot that, you know, what the SEALs do is amazing. But a lot
1: more of us could do that. Yeah. Right? Yeah,
0: But no one tries.
1: Yeah, there's just a fear of failure. I yeah. think w- we're that that stigma around not being able to accomplish something not being able to do something right the first time and as good as everybody else in the room and yeah it's okay and, to suck yeah like it's it's to get that get that point to get that place in your life where you are actually not only willing to go there but you actually actively look for those opportunities to yeah and i think even like even <laughs> in the martial art world you get around the, just the Incredible coaches, uh, the, the the ones that are so good are the ones that they they're always learning. They have that white men white, white, white belt mentality, so to speak, all the time, and they um, they seek out seek out other people, and they're they're always even when they're they're the best in the room. They're they're always learning still, and, and they they don't they don't uh, they're not territorial. They'll will invite other other coaches other other masters in, in and they'll and they'll learn from them. I mean the, the, these the these are the type of men and women that I gravitate towards yeah. are, are those types. Not a, not they're not all like that, um, but there are some great ones like that, and it's because they they're not afraid to fail. Right, and the reason why they're not afraid to fail is because they failed. Way more than we've ever failed. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah, way more. But there are, they know that's the path to success. That's right. the path to path to actually becoming becoming great at something. Yeah. But it's but we live in a we live in a culture right now that is fighting so hard against that type of mentality because they equate failure with their value as a human being. But that's not the case at all. It's not I value. It. I. There's times when I'm down in the gym with my daughter Naomi. And there's been times, you don't do this all the time, but there's been times where she's been in tears because I'm not only dad, but I'm coach dad and I'm her boss. And I'm saying, no, no, we're not done. Let's do this again. You've got to get this down. And times where she's been actually just broken and just in tears. And I go, why are you crying? What's (laughs) what's going on? And it's fear. It's fear in her. And I go, what are you afraid of? I know you can't do it. I'm your dad and your coach and your boss. And I'm well aware that you can't do it. That's why we're doing it. So you can learn how to do it. Yeah. This has nothing to do with your value. This has everything to do with, I value you so much. Let's let's keep working on this so you can get this. But, right. but to break through that. It, it it takes it takes some deliberate training for all of us.
0: I think it has to happen like so many times in your life too. Like you, you can you can break through that barrier again and again mm-hmm. and again, and then you'll come up against that wall and not even realize that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you just gotta yeah. you know. It's a constant reminder of yourself. Like, it's okay. It's okay to be bad at this. Yep. It's not okay to stay bad at it, yeah. right? Try yeah. it again. Yeah. Um, one of the things that... I don't remember who said it. I wish, um, I, wish I had a better memory. Um, <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> yeah. You punched in the head uh, too many times as a youth. It, it was something to do with the fact that uh, don't do it till you get it right. Do it until you can't get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yep. just so part of your life that you know an arm bar or a choke or a transition you've just done it so many times it's like someone's playing a video game with your body as soon Mm -hmm. as you feel this you do this right as soon as you you know watch the knee twerk you know that the jab is coming or Mm -hmm. or whatever it happens to be that you just get it down so perfect Um, but you can't do that
1: until you fail it a whole bunch of times right and you have to be patient and do it over and over again and you not have that that um in us that okay okay i got this now no no show me the black belt stuff or <laughs> show me the the real advanced stuff well no yeah. you, you can't you don't know how to shrimp <laughs> <laughs> you don't you, you, your your hips haven't moved at all why can't i get this guy off me because your hips yeah. are just Do you know what a buck is
0: Do you know how a buck <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right
1: and you, and you can teach people that and then you get them into a I mean, how many times this has happened? It happens to me too, for that matter. But you also you teach them you know, something simple like shrimp, 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 shrimp. Move your hips. Don't let them control your hips. Okay. So when someone's on top of you, this will save your life. Okay. Got it. Okay. Practice it. Practice at home. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And then, okay, let's spar. Can we spar? Okay. Let's spar. Why can't I get this person off me? <laughs> ah, and you're like, uh, your hips? Yeah. I'm going to go crazy with it. Just guess that it might be your hips. Bridge, all right,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: but anyways, there, there's something about the human brain
0: that mm-hmm. I don't know, everyone's got a different number, I guess, so where you have to do a certain Valentine's before it just becomes who you are, mm-hmm. uh, and then it's like riding a bike after that. But why mm-hmm. is so hard uh, when we were training uh, my dog, who um, everyone's heard bark, I don't think this you know on the camera yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had our friend, it's a dog trainer, and brought him in, and he couldn't get him to do a downstay. Mm-hmm. He's Trained dogs for 20 years, and he was so frustrated that he's like, Your dog is the dumbest dog in the world. He doesn't get a downstate. Like, I, I don't know. And I'm like, Oh, maybe it's the coach. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> But eventually, my dog got it, and now he's brilliant at it. Every time I can do it, he lays He does what he's supposed to do. He's mm-hmm. great. But it took just like time and time and time again. And uh, most people don't want to put that effort in. They yeah. want it to be the the right now, the YouTube, mm-hmm. the Google. I can have an answer for right now. But that's mm-hmm. just not the way most yeah. life is. It's 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 working hard at something to get a little bit better at yeah. it.
1: Yeah. When it, after my accident. Uh, there's been a number of things that have become number of things that have become key for me um, and I was forced into really, literally forced into figuring how to how to learn different lear, learn again but in a different way and how to train myself and because my brain's capacity was so diminished uh, my memory was so shot and my and my uh, temperament was so weak and and my patience, and just everything, and and I would get fatigued. Like I, I'm a prolific um, reader and writer, and I write all the time. I got like twenty, almost thirty journals uh, wow. that I've journaled in over the years, whatever. But after the accident, that almost completely stopped because I couldn't even, I couldn't sit and write for five minutes. And my writing is is quite funny because when I did start writing, whatever it, it looks like, I was a doctor or, or, or two years <laughs> old or something like that because my writing just like, it was completely almost you couldn't even it wasn't legible. Um, but right, uh, one of the things that I learned in that that um, that I started to apply in everything in, in me was in, in my life was how how I train my brain is how I train my body is how I train my spirit is how I train um, everything. Right. And and there's a, a number of things that I took, that I learned, and one of them was um, don't train fatigued, uh, which I, I grew up in the era of Arnold Schwarzenegger and muscle fitness and all that stuff, and it was all about 25 sets of whatever and super go to the burn. Yeah, and super and set and go, go to, to burn failure. and go to failure, 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 <laughs> failure and a concert like that and put up the posters in your Interesting fact, you can put up all the Arnold and Lou Ferrigno posters you want in your room. Yeah you're still going to be 165 pounds. <laughs> just just let you know, just in case you didn't know that. You, that.
0: You, my dad used to say, wish in one hand, shit in the other. See <laughs> which one feels up first. That's what I feel <laughs> the
1: posters are.
0: They're just pooping in your yep. hands is all you're doing. <laughs>
1: I've never heard that. That's good. Good proverb. Yeah. Um, but what I learned, um, one of the things that I learned was, uh, was, was about Training deliberately, whatever I was training in my life, training deliberately, figuring out exactly how, say, for, say, for example, a movement, say in jiu-jitsu, um, going knee on belly and, and doing like a shuffle across and spinning through an armbar. Um, breaking it down and doing those exact movements perfectly, slowly and perfectly, and do it uh if if i could do it say i say i could do it uh, 10 times and i'd be tired by the 10th time i'd only do it seven times yeah i'd always have something left in the tank and i'd always uh leave my workouts leave my workouts or whatever i'm training i'd always leave it with something left in the tank and not fatigued and feeling like i could do more but i would never go to the go to the limit and as i started to train like that what i found was i had to do that mentally because if because my brain just couldn't do it my brain couldn't handle handle, I mean, for the longest time, I couldn't, I couldn't read for five minutes yeah. for, the, for, for that matter. So I had to actually cut everything back and I had to be very specific about what I did. And I just had to just make sure that I do it every day. So I trained, I did the same thing every day. And so I kind of got this, not a motto, but I, I the, the, how I trained was I figured out exactly what I wanted to do, broke it down into small bites, and then I did it every day. About eighty percent, and then I leave it. And this is this has become the secret to how I how at forty years old, or at the time when I started, forty three years old, how I grew so fast in jujitsu and and in Kuntao, Tao two extremely difficult arts, very complicated, very hard to get. And also very hard on you physically. Yeah, and I was old, yeah. <laughs> and had been in a massive <laughs> yeah. car accident. But this became the this became the secret for me was I just did a little bit every day, and I did exactly what I was supposed to do, and I never went to I never went to exhaustion, and I just kept building on that, and the the growth curve has been incredible.
0: Do, do you know who Frosta Hobby uh, is? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, George St. Pierre Roy McDonald's coach mm-hmm. he talks about this at length I've yep. listened to a couple yep. podcasts with him where he's like you know if you can do 10 push ups don't do mm-hmm. do 5 mm-hmm. but do 5 every day because if you do 10 to your max then it'll take you 2 days to recover and maybe you'll get yep. 20 in a week but yep. if you do 5 every day you gonna do 35 that week and that's how you get that that instrumental growth that you're talking about yep. is not overdoing it but doing it every single day yep. um, and the right amount right
1: mm. the right weights so you know, measuring everything that you're mm-hmm, doing, yeah. Yeah. and I started applying it to everything. I, I applied it to uh, my spiritual life, my my life, life of faith, yeah, specifically in, re- in regards to prayer. And so, this is something that I actually that I coach people, and we have this program that we take people through this uh, prayer coaching. And, and 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 what people struggle with, what also. You, Say, say, you think, oh, I'm going to join. Uh, I'm going to join this program and get coached on how to pray. And, so, and you think about what that means and everything. Hmm. You also start thinking, oh, what's that going to mean? Oh, that's going to be like hours of prayer and all this stuff. And oh, it's going to be exhausting and everything like that. It's going to be overwhelming. And the the thing that everyone has the hardest time with is I say, okay, this is what you're going to do. Fifteen minutes, no more. Right. And They're like, no more, <laughs> no more. Fifteen minutes. That's what I want every day. 15 minutes and we we mix it together with uh, combative arts and with fitness too and I go I want you to do 60 seconds of this exercise and then I want you to bring your heart rate down and then I want you to pray the Lord's prayer and then I want you to do that exercise for 60 seconds again and then I want you to stretch and pray the Lord's prayer for you and your family and then you're done then you go about your day and they're like and they look at me like I'm crazy and I go well just do it right and they go well that, that's not enough i should do do more and i go no no just do that yeah you show me you show me yeah you you do that for the next 30 days they go okay yeah nope
0: can't can't make <laughs> it oh, through the 15 oh, minutes or no the, it's,
1: it's just like oh i come up with excuses and i shouldn't say that nobody does there, there definitely are people but 80 percent of the people don't because right. of all sorts of different things, uh, different reasons. I go, I know that's the problem. We're, we're actually disciplining your will more than anything else right. with this. But what has happened with people as they've gone through that program, as, they, as, as they've done this, it's revolutionized their lives. And they're, they're like, you only want me to pray for 50 minutes. Yes. And you want me to pray the Lord's Prayer so I don't have to figure anything out. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's actually doable, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So you could actually do this. You could do this right now. Yes. Awesome, because we always think that we have to we have to do something that I can't do. I got I got to come up with something so beyond me, so so, and I think it's our pride and our ego that gets involved that, that we, we feel like we got to do something that that's much more glorious, much more <laughs> amazing, much more. People go, wow, look at what they're lifting or anything like that. Yeah. No, uh, just one, you know the five percent, the one percent, uh, just, just every day. Do the exact thing every day, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, transform your life. Everybody I've been listening
0: to um, lately has been talking about that. That, Mm -hmm. you know, um, what was the the analogy? Um, It's like, you know, how do you eat an elephant? It's Mm -hmm. one bite at a time, you can't swallow the whole elephant. And so, if you did that thought process and everything in your life, consistently for 30 mm-hmm. days and then 40 days and then 80 days. And uh, yep. eventually now you're really, really good at that one thing, whether it's praying or yep. lifting weights. Yep. Uh, I love that mentality. Cause I was the opposite as a kid, as a kid, I was all about, well, if I'm going to lift, I'm going to yep. lift as big as that guy. And you yep. push as hard as you can. And I, I had the ability to fight through the pain, just like vomiting on the, the mats and cleaning up and just going yep. right back at yep. it again. But it was so silly mm-hmm. I think you have to push yourself, but in small increments, right? Mm -hmm. If you could get up every morning and read for 10 minutes and then pray for five and just did it every morning for 30 days so that it was easy... Then the next one's yeah. going to be, you know, yeah. now you're going to read for 12 minutes and, right. and seven minutes yeah. and just slowly before you know it, you're spending your whole day mm-hmm. reading and praying or just looking for the time to yeah. be able to do that.
1: And then, and then what it does is it builds up that capacity for those moments when you do exceed that. It's, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like training. Like I don't, I don't train all, like I lift heavy. I lift really heavy for, mm-hmm. for somebody my size. I'm unusually strong for my size. Um, but I'm unusually strong because I've trained that way and I've done it. And what it does is it builds that capacity. It strengthens your body and your physi- physiologically, neurologically and everything like that. And then, so 80% of the time, that's how I train. But then 20% of the time, it's heavy, heavy. Like we really train, uh, same thing with martial arts. Like I don't, I don't hit the heavy bag every day. Yeah because i'm 50 years old my arms will fall off (laughs) Uh, my elbows will never stop aching whatever and and i look at i look at older martial artists and i see their hands and they're just they're like disfigured and everything i go i don't want that yeah i want a better quality of life but once a week maybe twice a week but usually just once a week i'll like today i was on the heavy bag and hard yeah just beat that thing silly whatever then and then easy. After that, shadow boxing. And nice and light. Just tap in the bag or the mitts and stuff like that. I,
0: I struggle with that. because, and, and I agree. And I have to keep reminding myself of what my goal is. My goal isn't to be big or to be the toughest guy or to have the hardest hands or to have the black belt. My goal is to... Be a healthy ninety-year-old running around with uh, yeah. children, uh, great grandchildren, great great grandchildren, if possible. And you can't yeah. do that by abusing your body. Right. I was uh, I'm listening to David Goggins' book right now, and and he pushes himself so hard, like. Every day, it's like, how do I get another 50-mile run in? I'm like, right. every day. Uh, Cameron Haynes, I don't know if you know, he's another ultra-marathon mm-hmm. hunter guy, and he does a marathon every single day. Yeah. And I'm like, where are you going to be at 60? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe you'll be fantastic, and I hope he yeah. is. Yeah, like, he, he's an inspiration for sure, mm-hmm. and maybe I'm just being a lazy bum and (laughs) i I don't know but i really gonna say (laughs) every everything that i'm studying about longevity is about Mm -hmm. you know having that farmer's mentality is just Mm -hmm. you just plug away you don't run hard you don't push hard you don't throw two bales at a time you throw a bale at a time and every 10 minutes you take a break and get a drink Mm -hmm. of water then you go back and Mm -hmm. um i'm i'm fighting to get my head wrapped around Mm -hmm. that because if i ever do come train with you, which I want to, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be hard for me not to destroy myself that first right, day yeah. and, and push hard. And I'm sure you see that with lots of guys that mm-hmm. come back in after not being there. And then they're gone for two weeks yeah. because they can't get out of bed or up the stairs yeah. or down the stairs. And, and I'm, I'm yeah. fighting really, really hard to look at growth every day mm-hmm. but not try to get massive growth. And I'm yeah. trying to... Um, Implement that into my mm-hmm. kid's life. Yeah. Like, always challenge yourself, mm-hmm. but don't push yourself so hard that, you, yeah. that you're dying.
1: And it's amazing how well, when you when you train intelligently like that, very deliberately, intelligently, that you actually find yourself way farther beyond what you were actually hoping to be at, anyways. Yeah, because you you you're constantly constantly growing just a little bit each time, um, and and you do it health health healthily. <laughs> Healthily. Let me use that That's word. It's a good word. That's a word I learned after my concussion <laughs> <laughs> in a very healthy way. Yeah.
0: You know. I, uh, we're about an hour and a half in and, mm. uh, I'm not ready to shut down, but I do want to, uh, ask you about a friend of ours, uh, mm. Andrew Mensa, mm. um, I struggled a little bit. I'm uh, sure you did. You knew him really well. Mm-hmm. If uh, People that don't know, we, we lost a mutual friend um, mm-hmm. very recently, uh, young dad of um, three kids, four kids, four, you know. uh, four yeah. kids, um, young wife behind four young kids uh, to, to cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, unexpected by most of his friends, um, but a giver. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we take a minute and just honor uh, Andrew. You can maybe <laughs> say something about him. Uh, I don't think enough men get honored for how great they are. Yeah. Um, you know, he wasn't... Uh, yeah, You know what? I won't go on. But mm-hmm. I'd like to hear what you have to say about
1: mm-hmm. him. Andrew. Um, so Andrew's my relationship um, compared to other people. I actually, actually didn't uh, spend... I hadn't known him for very long. I think we met a year and a half, two years ago. Um, I was asked to go and preach at their young adults, and that's when I met him and Natasha. And and uh, immediately when I met them, I was like, "Oh, you're different. Mm-hmm. You, you just get you get around quality people, and you just realize there's a substance to them that's uh, different than most people, and uh, just." just instantly loved them so man there's depth to these people and it was it wasn't that long afterwards that uh, they got a hold of me and um, wanted to talk to me in confidence at the time and it was uh, they had just uh, Andrew had been diagnosed and was taking treatments and they asked me to train him and to train him in confidence because nobody knew very few people knew and they just wanted to fight through it they wanted to protect everybody else and and they, they were just they were just loving as, as they do uh loving the community around them and uh, and just wanted wanted to serve them in that way and so so i agreed and uh, we start. andrew and i start training here's andrew <laughs> this is the andrew that uh that i know and i look forward to seeing again um he he shows up at the gym and andrew um, apparently had very little to no experience working out, yet he had a body that looked like he worked out regularly. Yeah, I, I, I saw one picture of him uh, from a few years ago, and and he looked like he was built more better than I was. If you know what I mean, I don't mean that. to, You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. He just looked like he he was, just looked super fit. He just looked like he was chiseled. Yeah, he was, but he just had this body like that. But he never worked and out.
0: A, an avid pizza eater, from what I understand as well, which is really frustrating. So <laughs> much pizza.
1: I, I've heard so many stories. But anyway, so he, he showed up at the gym and uh, he was in the in, in the midst of treatments and chemo and all of that. And uh, I don't think he had had surgery at that point. But he came in and so understanding what, what he's dealing with, uh, father, four young kids, an incredible wife, uh, incredible community, pastoring. Uh, entrepreneur all of this stuff and so the weight of the world on his shoulders um, and he came in and I've never and I've trained a lot of people and we've got mutual friends that we've trained uh, that we know but uh, that I've trained with I've never trained anybody that has exhibited a formidable warrior heart of courage like Andrew did he never took a moment off mm-hmm. he never took a minute off he never took a day off And this was in the midst of all of his, uh, treatments. And if, as most of us know, we either either have had treatments or know somebody that's gone through treatments, how it just ravages your body and your mind and how it affects you. And he would still show up, um, and he would work and he would do anything I told him to do, anything. And he'd learn and he would focus and he was deliberate. And I've got video, I got videos on my phone. Um, that I that I gave the family whatever I'd film him all the time doing deadlifts and doing different things and he would just he'd just have this warrior cry he'd just be screaming he's <laughs> lifting this weight that he never deadlifted it in his life whatever and he's just working hard and everything and and that first day we worked we worked hard and we talked and we laughed and we prayed and we cried and and as he was leaving that first day. Uh, we got to the door, and he goes, Sean, can I hug you? And I go, Andrew, of course you can. And he goes, okay, but this isn't going to be a short hug. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And he's in the doorway of the formidable combative arts and fitness gym that's right beside Decks on the Roof Barn and Grill in Cochrane and people all over the place. And there's Andrew and I, a really black guy and a real white guy, <laughs> hugging in the doorway of this combative arts gym. And we must have stood there embraced for, uh, I'm sure it was like a minute and a half, two minutes. Wow. And all of us guys know how long that is. That's a long time. <laughs> and there was nothing, it, there just seemed like to be nothing weird about it. And every day we'd get together and train, it was like that he he was a man that fought and warred for his family for his wife and for his kids and he was a man that was willing to give it all to love them and to uh, fight for them and to model for his kids what it meant to be a man of faith a man of love a man of war um he he deeply impacted me um again like uh, compared to it, most people i remember being at the funeral and thinking uh, i almost shouldn't be here cuz i felt you know everyone knew him and family and friends and everything and we would only trained trained together for i don't know i don't know how long it was but uh he he was just one of those i have one other friend that, that that is just like Andrew, in this way. Um, he was a, he was a man that he couldn't he knew he couldn't be there a hundred percent of the time for you. But when he was when he was there, he was there a hundred percent. Yeah, he was always always one hundred percent engaged. He was completely interested in you. He wanted to know what was going on with you. It was hard to get 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 him to answer any questions about himself because he was always asking questions about you and he was deeply interested and invested in you. Yeah.
0: It, it was, um, when you had a conversation with him, at first, when I first met him, I I wasn't sure that he was for real, that mm-hmm. there was someone right. that yeah. was really, truly that interested in the people around him. And, yeah. and, and my first conversation with him, I kind of was like, oh, this guy's a bit weird. <laughs> like, I'm not sure how to take him. Yeah. And then I started seeing him have conversations with other people. And I was like, oh, he's doing that with everybody. Like he just, if he's in a conversation, he's bought into you so wholeheartedly. He he really did truly um, want to know who you are and, yeah. and love on mm-hmm. you. And uh, yeah, he you know, I only know him for a very short time as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had a lot of influence on my life from a business standpoint, yep. um, from... Uh, husband and father standpoint, where you go, yeah. that's that's the way to do it. That yeah. right there, that's that's what we should all be striving towards: is to be more like Andrew Manza. Yeah. And so maybe that's a good place to, to end the podcast. Mm. Cause he, yeah. he was an amazing man. Um, Sean, I really appreciate you coming out. Uh, I, I really, really enjoyed having this conversation with you. I, I look forward to, uh, um, opening your, your gym and, uh, mm. I'll make some time and come awesome. and train with you guys. Yeah, it Uh, um, I miss martial arts so bad, <laughs> but we got to put our kids first. <laughs> That's and so right. So they're That's uh, right. they're going to be first. So uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm. I'll put up all of your guys's uh, social media website, all that kind of stuff Great. on thank here, you. and we'll uh, we'll share it with everybody else. So everyone, again, thank you, thank you for listening, thank you for sharing. We um, we're growing steadily, and and it's all because of you guys. So uh, love you guys. Uh, thank you. Oh, the shutdown is so. Big.